You're listening to Stocks for Docs, a podcast to educate healthcare professionals to build wealth through value investing in the stock market. I'm your host, Dr. Viveta Lobo. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Stocks for Docs. I am your host, Dr. Viveta Lobo. Thank you so much for joining for another episode. Um, I hope you've all had a great week, that you've all stayed well and healthy and your loved ones as well. Um, it has been a challenging time with the rise of the Delta variant. So um, it's been busy, definitely at work in the healthcare system. And I hope everyone is, you know, vaccinated if you can get vaccinated and taking all your precautions, especially as our kids are going back to school and uh, our hospitals are getting busier and full uh, with really not a ton of uh, capacity anymore. So please, please stay healthy, stay safe um, as you continue on these next few weeks. But I'm really thrilled to get a break from all of that and think about something different in my time uh, where I really enjoy talking about finance and stock market investing. And today we're going to talk about Berkshire Hathaway, uh, the stock BRK-B. Uh, We're going to dissect it a little bit, kind of decide whether it's a good buy or is it a good value company to buy? Should you put it on your watch list? Is now the time? Um, And I was pretty deliberate in picking this one because I do think as a value investor, um, it's getting very close. If not, um, we're already there Um, as far as if you are going to buy into it, um, it might be a good time as far as price goes, which is usually what hangs a lot of us up um, from wanting, from purchasing a company and making that initial jump is, you know, we have to wait for that right price. But there has been a lot of buzz about Berkshire Hathaway recently, in, especially in the year 2021, because it's done pretty well. Um, but I think as a value company, it's uh, looking more and more promising. So let's take it back a couple steps and we will talk about it in a little bit more detail and try to figure this out for you, for me and for everybody else that's listening. So as most of you already know, Berkshire Hathaway is basically a giant that owns some of America's most famous brands. It is most famous for its CEO, who is Warren Buffett, who we've talked a lot about on this show. Uh, And some of the brands that you will uh, recognize that it uh, owns, which some of them I actually didn't even know uh, initially until I had certainly started uh, researching about uh, Berkshire Hathaway. But um, Geico, Duracell, Dairy Queen, Fruit of the Loom, these are probably some of the more popular ones that you've heard of. Uh, While its core business is insurance, uh, it does use a lot of the funds from its insurance businesses to then um, fund or acquire some of its other largest business or companies. Um, the, The biggest or most, one of the most talked about companies or acquisitions was the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad System, uh, which it acquired some time back now. And we'll talk a little bit more about it because it's a, it was a large, large purchase um, at, at many billions of dollars. Uh, but we'll talk about uh, why they did it and you know what value it has added for them. Um, so like I mentioned, uh, its CEO is Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger is its vice chair. It is based in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and besides owning a bunch of other companies, it also are is a huge 
investing vehicle and it invests a lot of money into other companies. Um, some of the biggest investments it has is in big companies like Coca-Cola or the American Express. It has recently also shifted to buy some of the big tech giants like Amazon and Apple, and recently even purchased um, Snow, uh, Snowflake, which IPO'd not that long ago. It's a large company with over 350,000 employees, and its stock price today, and we're going to talk about the BRK-B class of stock, is trading at $285.62 per share. I believe its all-time high this year was just about $295. So let's go back to our core principles about when we decide on speaking about a company, right? When we're researching a company, we're first starting to learn about a company. I like to do it in a very methodical, step-by-step way. And by now, you've heard this multiple times if you've been following along. So first step is circle of competence. You know, is this something you even care to learn about? Is it within your wheelhouse, within your expertise, something you're capable of understanding? So for for me as an individual, I think this is going to change for everyone. I think it's an interesting company, um, more so because I have been sort of following along Warren Buffett and um, Charlie Munger as they talk about their philosophy and their preaching about value investing and their strategies around it. And so they're just interesting people to me. And I probably would say that is my biggest pull for even wanting to um, talk about Berkshire Hathaway or learn about Berkshire Hathaway because this is their their baby. This is their company. These are two individuals that I highly respect and follow. And so I thought it was just that fact alone made it very interesting for me. And so as I started to learn more about Berkshire Hathaway as a company, some of its subsidiaries and companies under it, um, I've realized that I was pretty interested in a lot of it. Now, they they probably own way more than uh, I have read about. Um, and they, you know, I, I probably have not gone into detail of every single company and holding they have. But a lot of the bigger names and a lot of the bigger companies and holdings and assets they have, I have delved into them and, you know, learned about them as individual um, companies as well. And I do enjoy learning and reading about them. And so to me, it was part of my circle of competence because a lot of them are products that I am accustomed to or I'm exposed to. It's things that I might use uh, or I might um, be familiar with. Um, And, you know, again, going back to Warren Buffett as as an owner, as a CEO, I think because I agree or I trust a lot of his thoughts and principles about the way he operates things and his philosophies around it, you know, keeping things very simple, his strategies around growth and stability. Um, I really do believe in these strategies and thoughts. And so the way he runs a lot of his companies or from a large high level view, I I appreciate. And so I can kind of get behind it. So for me, that was the reason the circle of competence made sense. As far as Moat goes, Moat is an interesting one because this isn't just one company we're talking about. You know, it's sort of, it sort of encompasses lots and lots and lots of companies. And I think because of that, you know, you can talk about the Moat of any one holding or one company within it, but it does to some extent have a generalized Moat as well. You know, I think one of its largest capabilities and Moats is it's just just a sheer 
ability to influence our society and the capital that it, it has. I mean, this is a company with billions. And when I say billions, I mean several hundred billions of dollars um, in in worth and in capability. And, you know, they have something like 10 billion or so just to invest every year. So I think that alone gives it a big advantage to be able to acquire and move into positions that are just difficult for somebody else to compete with, right? And the prime example of this was when they purchased um, the railroad company, Burlington Northern Santa Fe Company, for $44 billion. That's insane when I think about it. Um, But they are probably one of the only players out there that even can do that, right? I mean, you have to have a lot of money in your pocket to be able to pay for $44 billion. Um, And so I think that itself is a moat. It's the moat where you, you know, it's just not easy to get involved in this business. It's, there's a really high barrier for entry. Um, And it was, you know, it's one of the few people that can do that. Um, And, you know, they, so by default, they just dominate because there's just not a lot of competitors at that level. And besides that, if you look at the actual railroad company as a company, I think there's a lot of very interesting characteristics about it that I thought were very sustainable and very farsighted, if you will, um, by Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger when they made this acquisition, right? They picked something that is not easy for somebody else to come by and buy. I mean, it'll probably cost them close to $100 billion now to buy. Uh, It's something that can keep up with technology, right? Uh, They talk about how over the years they are using less and less individual people. They're using less and less fuel to operate. It's something that is very interwoven with the American economy, Um, you know, as businesses in America improves and prospers, the rail, this particular railroad company will do the same because what it essentially does is it's a, it's a freight, right, for goods. And it moves goods and commodities from one part of the country to another uh, in a very cost-effective, large-scale kind of way. It's environmentally friendly. It actually kind of keeps up or uh, reduces uh, a lot of emissions uh, compared to, you say, trucks or other modes of transports that do the same thing and, you know, has global warming as a a core uh, concern when operating, which I thought was really valuable. And, you know, we've talked about investing with our values before, but that was one that stuck out to me and it, it made me want to invest in a company that thinks about that. It's sort of socially responsible, has a big social impact as well. Uh, and it's essential to society. So I think in those sense, it has a lot of great characteristics, not only uh, from a business capitalist perspective, but also from a environment social value perspective, which I thought was a great combination um, and a very strong moat for itself. And then in the same vein, if you think about all that Berkshire has done in the recent years, I think you can kind of clearly see this trend for growth, for um, expansion. It's, you know, it's a, because it's such a giant corporation with a lot of fundamental infrastructure, capital, it sort of has the capability to um, dominate just by sheer size and default and impact. 
Um, it has, and it, you know, and it's constantly been, um, I think we've talked about, you know, not just having a moat, but then being able to protect your moat and um, you know, keep up with times as things change. And I think Warren Buffett and uh, Charlie Munger running this company has been very cautious and deliberate about that. So if you just look at even their moves in the last several years, they've made several moves that have protected or kept up with the change of society as we've moved into a more tech cloud-based world. Um, it's reached out into different sectors and different industries. Um, you know, some of its recent moves was it increased its um, investments in companies like Kroger or uh, Restoration Hardware, which is the furniture company. Um, it reduced some of its positions in uh, some of the more traditional or um, older sectors, like uh, which you know have maybe not been keeping up with the times as much as they would have appreciated, like General Motors, for example. Um, some of its biggest and best positions remain in some of the biggest companies, like Apple, Bank of America, Coca-Cola. I mean, it has something like over two hundred and ninety-three billion dollars in total investments. It has branched out to the media sector and recently invested in Scripps, uh, which is a huge um, media uh, owner uh, who is um, funding their own network. And then its biggest acquisition, I think, in the recent years was in uh, Dominion Energy, which um, will close sometime during this year. And I think that was also another smart move when you think about what it's capable of doing with new energy and um, the future and promise that it may hold. So I think it keeping up with the times and being able to alter and change and protect your moat as you need to is very important as also just having a good moat. So I think for me, it satisfies a lot of the requirements that I look for. Um, in a company, it's, you know, not as simple as, you know, just dealing with one company that has one or two services provided uh, because it's not as clear. But I think if you step back and you consider it kind of as general philosophies about things and then pick a couple of the biggest holdings or companies under it and look at their moats and see if it's substantial or not, I think you can make a pretty clear cut argument for or whether or not you believe it has a strong moat. So then we go to management. Um, and management, you know, this is one that we've talked a lot about, um, the CEO, Warren Buffett. But Warren actually, or Mr. Buffett, actually recently announced in a, in a meeting about how his successor is likely going to be Greg Abel. Um, so we can talk a little bit about Greg. And so Greg Abel is a Canadian businessman. He's uh, currently chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Energy. He's also the vice chair of all its non-insurance operations and has been in the company for several years. Um, I think he has a pretty strong track record of being a good leader. You know, he's not taken over yet, so it's, you know, you can't really tell until somebody comes over. But I think the fact that um, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have decided to entrust in him their company and all that comes along with it is uh, a promising and um, makes me feel a little bit more reassured that they've picked him uh, and they've sort of set that in motion if something were to happen to them. Remember, they're both in their 90s. Um, and so I think 
you know, it's, it's good to have some sort of future planning. And I think, uh, you know, Greg has so far proven to be a real good asset to the company. So I look forward to seeing more, more from him. And then if you look at their board of directors, um, this is where I thought they were actually lacking a little bit, right? So their board is made up of 12 individuals, Warren Buffett being the chairman, Charlie Munger. I'm not thrilled when I see the CEO sort of also being the chairman of the board of directors. Um, he also has the largest voting power in it. So a lot of power to one individual. Now, luckily, I think Warren Buffett's a great individual and makes good decisions. But I don't know if that structure is going to change if we would have a new leader. So that's to be seen. Um, his son, Howard Buffett, sits on the board. Um, and then he has a couple of representation from various other sectors. Some of the notable ones is Bill Gates from Microsoft, obviously. There's a Comcast representative, a Yahoo Finance person. There's a, a lawyer. Um, I think among all, if I look through the demographics of the 12 individuals, there's the three only who are women. I would love to see a little bit more representation there. I probably would have also liked to see a little bit more diversification of different types of sectors that would sit on the board. Um, so, you know, things that could be improved would probably be the composition of the board, in, in my opinion. And then last but not least, we talk about price, uh, which is probably what prompted me to actually pick Berkshire Hathaway as a stock dissection. Because currently, if you look it up today, it was running about $285 a share. When you do the math and you, you know, if you do it through owner's earnings or however you, you want to get to that intrinsic value, but when you do the math, the intrinsic value of the company currently with all its holdings is about $226. It's not too much off. We're at $60-ish uh, off, um, more, you know, overvalued at this point. So if you cut that by half and you say, okay, let's look at the margin of safety price, which is 50% is intrinsic value, you're put at about $113. Now, I am not one for, and I've mentioned this before, you know, there are some investors who are very stickler about, you know, down to the cent that they wouldn't buy something unless, you know, even if it's one cent over that price. But to me, it's more like a 20% um, range. And again, it depends on how much I love the company, how much I believe in it and kind of want to stretch a little bit more. But 20% is generally, you know, over the value of the margin of safety price is kind of where I'm willing to go. Um, so that might put you somewhere in the, in the, in the low 200s, um, high hundreds, like 190 to maybe, I don't know, 210 or so. So I think that's kind of the upper limit of what I would be willing to go as far as um, buying the stock, which isn't too far off from where it is today. And so definitely one that if you are considering to buy, to have on your watch list. Now, some of the factors that go into, you know, would I stick with the upper end of that 20% or would I really be a stickler and, you know, kind of go down to the lower end? Well, I think that's pretty individual. I think it matters unto kind of how much you enjoy the company, how much you believe in the company, its management, its future direction. I think if you're just talking about financial data, I think um, Berkshire Hathaway makes a pretty strong argument for itself and has a pretty strong case on showing good growth and finances, at least in the recent year, definitely in 2021. Um, it actually has been outperforming the S&P 500 this year, even though it had lagged the years before. Uh, it's about it's up like 23 percent in 2021 compared to, I think, just 18 percent of the S&P 500. 
Uh, its EPS has grown in the past three quarters. Again, you, you don't want to look at just one or two quarters, but it has had a trend of growth. Um, its earnings grew an average of 24%, I think, in the last three quarters was what I read. Um, and its EPS has now risen to about $2.93 in quarter two. Again, these are all you know individual or a couple of quarters, and you don't want to make too big a decisions based on that. But it has shown a pretty positive trend in growth. I think it's also heavily invested in itself. In the past year itself, they actually had reinvested, which means they've bought back their own stock. Um, and I think they've spent something like $27 billion in purchasing their own stock. So a lot of capital into their, into their own stock. The operating earnings have gone up and it really has outperformed all or a lot of the expert analysis that are out there. So if you go to any of these financial sites, they'll, you know, they'll have expert opinions on before a quarter uh, financial statements are released or when they're, when they're upcoming, they'll say, okay, they're going to increase their sales by this or their revenue will be at that. Um, and it really has outperformed probably most, if not all of it in, in the last couple of quarters. And so, you know, it's definitely had a positive trend. Um, I think it's a solid company as far as its fundamentals and its operational. It's been around for a long time. It has definitely stood the test of time. It has had good management. I think it is, like we mentioned, branching out. It's having new acquisitions. It's growing. Its earnings are up. So I think all of these factors should should be considered when you're talking about, okay, what price am I willing to pay at uh, Berkshire Hathaway? Now, full disclosure, I already own Berkshire Hathaway stock. So, uh, you know, it's definitely not something new for me uh, when I did my analysis and I bought it probably a couple years ago now. So I guess my individual perspective on it would be to definitely at this point, put it on your watch list and have a price in mind or a range in mind that you're willing to personally consider buying it at. But um, that would be that would be my advice or my recommendation if I had to talk uh, talk about it today. So that's it for this episode. Uh, I hope uh, that was a you know that's a pretty quick rundown on Berkshire Hathaway, but I think it kind of went over a lot of the big um, pr- big principles and theories and fundamentals about the company. Um, so hopefully it kind of gave you a jump start in your own research if you are considering it. And remember, you you really should do your own research. You should read about it on your own. You know, do do your search and due diligence about it if this is something that you want to purchase, especially for the first time. Uh, but I do hope that I helped a little bit. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast today. If you have thoughts and feedbacks or, or recommendations of other companies to break down, I'm happy to hear it. Just reach out to me through any of our channels. Thanks again for listening, and I will be back next week. Have a great week, stay safe, and cheers. Stocks for Docs is a podcast designed to educate healthcare professionals on building wealth through value investing. Take the first steps towards securing your future and listen weekly. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn as Stocks for Docs. 